With third parties being culprits in so many large data security incidents, what are some of the key steps that healthcare entities are taking to improve their vendor security risk management? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Mitch Parker, CISO at Indiana University Health System, about some of the steps his organization is taking in its approach to third party risk management. So, Mitch, for starters, what types of third parties worry you the most when it comes to vendor security risk and why? The truth is, is that any vendor that has any personal data of our patients is one that worries me the most because ultimately an organization like ours is driven by the patients that we serve. And to me, any kind of breach of data for them is a break in that trust. And do you use any particular framework or particular tools to help manage vendor security risk? So we have our own internally developed tools that we use to manage the risk. And also we look very assiduously at the various frameworks out there. And we make sure people are aware of the responsibilities under the HIPAA security rule and base our analysis on that because what we're looking for isn't a checklist to say I'm compliant with framework X, Y, or Z or a product. What we're looking for is a commitment to continual risk management and the work and partnership of the organization to address any discovered risks. So what are some of the things that you look at when you're assessing the security risk that a vendor might pose? The big items for us are commitment to currency, which is you're going to keep your application current on a given set of operating systems, libraries, and other supporting software. We look at a commitment to excellent service levels for vulnerability management, meaning that within X number of days of a vulnerability comes out, you commit to patching it. We look at a commitment to also working with us to federate identities so that we don't have to have people with more than one password or two-factor authentication get access to the application. And we look for just a commitment with us to meet our standards. So, Mitch, when it comes to business associates, are they handled any differently than non-BA types of third parties and other vendors? And if so, how? So, we look at it as business associate agreement indicates that you're going to be sharing patient information for the purposes of payment treatment or operations with someone that's going to be assisting you in those processes. So that is looked at differently. I will say the one area that has just as much scrutiny as a business associate is anyone that processes credit cards. We look at those two as very complementary and also very similar. So our view is, is that it is patients first, and we have to make sure the business associates are looked at with the most scrutiny, and PCI is also looked at just as much as patient data. And how do you address fourth-party risk, the vendors of vendors, the subcontractors? Within our business associate agreements, and this is also part and parcel with the High Tech Act, so there's nothing unique here, no secret sauce, we put in there People are required to comply with the High Tech Act, which indicates that it's third parties and fourth parties, and we do make it explicit because we have to. 
what are some of the requirements that you you ask of any of the vendors that are handling large amounts of protected health information, for instance? What I'm talking about comes straight out of the HIPAA security rule and, more importantly, the later interpretations of it by Ileana Peters a couple of years ago, who is the former Deputy Director of Enforcement for the OCR, and that is we require encryption of all data at rest and in transit. We require good, strong identity management of anyone that accesses the data. We require excellent vulnerability management and also a risk management program and evidence demonstrating that there's not only a risk management program, but active addressing of risks to mitigate these issues. And Mitch, what do you do in terms of measuring or sort of monitoring the activities of third parties to make sure that they are effectively handling the security risk that they pose to your organization and doing what they say they're going to do? So we have a team that actually works with the vendors that gathers the evidence, and we have an internal governance committee that works on evaluating the evidence provided. In addition to that, we also actively monitor any kind of vendor access to our system, specifically anything involving patient data, and we do make sure that we have people accountable for those types of activities. So when it comes to the sort of evidence that you guys are looking for in terms of whether or not the third party is doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of protecting the security of data, what do you look for? What is under that banner of evidence that you're seeking? So we will accept either a high trust certification, ISO 27001, 27017, or 27018 certification. We will accept third-party risk assessments, and we will even accept evidence of compliance with GDPR under Article 35 and the evidence under Article 35. And we will also accept a SOC 2. But we're leaning more towards more prescriptive frameworks that require a third party and that actually show a good demonstrated march towards effective risk management, which is why we lean towards high trust and the ISOs a little bit more than the other certifications. So, Mitch, when it comes to some of the latest steps that you've taken to improve third-party security risk management, what are you finding most helpful? For instance, are there new processes or controls or governance approaches that have been helping a lot? I think the best thing you can do is get on the phone with the vendors and have conversations with their security people. And we found that utilizing the contracts that we have gets the security people on the phone because when you put your information up front and you're very clear about your requirements, you get security people talking to you. So that's the most important thing I can emphasize. Start talking with your vendors. Be very clear about laying out your requirements. Don't just ask for the HIPAA security rule. Talk about the parts that matter to your organization and talk about what directly relates to the risks you're looking to mitigate within your organization. I'm not going to speak for other organizations and tell them what their risks are. I will recommend you do a risk analysis so you understand what your top risks are. And based the questions you ask your vendors and base your requirements that you make clear for your vendors on your risk analysis so that you can directly map back and explain it. You have to tell a good, clear, concise story to them. And hospitals have a lot of vendors. Healthcare has a lot of vendors. 
you don't have much time and they don't have much time. So you've got to be very upfront and very direct and be able to answer those questions and be able to make sure that you establish them at the onset of the relationship as opposed to trying to bolt it on later, which will almost never succeed. And Mitch, finally, when it comes to pushback from vendors, is there a certain area within security controls or practices that you most commonly see vendors sort of pushing back or reluctant to do? I will tell you that the greatest reluctance I see is from a number of vendors that have well-established systems in place. A lot of them don't want to work towards making older systems compliant, and they would rather put in a new system with those requirements. It's very hard to retrofit security into an older system. I'm not faulting the vendors at all. But we deal with the fact that there's a long product horizon for medical devices and other devices used in healthcare. Meanwhile, with computers, there's a very short one. So we have to be very respectful of the fact that a vendor may not have the resources available to be able to retrofit security into an older system. And so you have to do more long-range planning. And I think the major issue is communicating the organization that you will have to take intermediate risk management steps. And while they are not the most desirable ones for you to take, they have to be done so you can focus your efforts elsewhere, mitigate the risk for a short time, and then address it later on. So it's a very complex process to address security. And I think working with vendors, you have to look at it as a partnership. And you have to look at the long event horizon because they're having to adapt as well. They've been used to selling products and supporting them without having to do this or having to put software fixes in for a 10-year-old product. Microsoft doesn't even support products past 10 years. So it's a change for everyone. We have to be respectful about that, but that's a very big challenge. Thanks, Mitch. I've been speaking to Mitch Parker. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.